Back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host Angel, and I'm your host Javi. Uh, I've been told not. To, <laughs> I've been told not to rip a fart in our studio. Okay, the biggest issue that I have with this right now is I have told you that if you need to use the restroom before we start recording, just go. And you're over here <laughs> complaining. <laughs> I'm not letting your fridging on my right of being an American that. Wants to just rip farts everywhere. Bro, I swear to God, if you fucking fart in the studio, I'm gonna end this podcast forever. <laughs> I hope this is the episode our boss is fine. <laughs> Alright, welcome everybody to another episode. Today, we are talking about the Toby Hooper classic, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. It, this is... Um... Our third movie in our Spooktober. We keep changing the name. Of you keep like... changing the name. I just said we were doing horror movies in October. I didn't call it anything. Do we like horror movies? Spooktober. <laughs> I called it something else. Something about the pants shitting express. <laughs> I don't need this to be like a do we like insert genre here every single time we do something different. Yeah, so just welcome to Age of Hobby Spooktober <laughs> show. <laughs> I love how consistent we are. <laughs> uh, so yeah, as, as Javi said, this week we're talking about Toby Hooper's uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, this film is from 1974. It is an independent film. And holy shit, does it look independent. <laughs> Fuck. Alright, so right off the top, before we even start talking about this movie, period, I would like to say that Rob Zombie owes his filmmaking career to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I, I 100% agree with that statement because just this movie was very jank. It, but it's a the good... jank works so well with like the aesthetic they were going for with this Let's, movie. I'll put it this way. The aesthetic that uh, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino were going for with Grindhouse... Is this film. Oh, totally. Um, and if you've ever seen the trailer to this movie, then that's exactly the kind of film that you think you're going to get. Um, funny enough, when you, hear the, when you hear the movie titled Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and you hear the reputation that this movie has, you almost feel like you're ready to watch one of the goriest films that you've ever seen in your entire life. Mm-hmm. And one of the shocking things about it is that this movie is not... In terms of gore, it's not too dissimilar from Halloween. No, not at all. Like, <laughs> it's actually really interesting. I was reading up that Toby Hooper was actually trying to make a PG horror movie. Yeah. And so a lot of the actual violence that happens is implied or it happens off screen. Um, which actually reminded me... I, I, oh, I love... Going back to the Dark Knight trilogy, yeah. but it reminds me—it's you doing it this time, this by the way. Me, but it just reminded me of the, like Chris Nolan's take, where all the violence in his PG thirteen movies happened to take place just off screen. Um, I thought that was really interesting, and in some ways, it was actually more terrifying because it left it to your imagination what the violence looked like. Well, I think the other thing to to think about this movie is that 
I don't think this was a film that was meant for wide release, right? Oh, not at all. This is a grindhouse movie. It was probably meant to be filmed and shown back to back with another shitty horror movie at a at like a drive-in theater. This is the movie you feel up your girlfriend to <laughs> in um, the seventies. I mean. It's very much a seventies movie. Like yeah. we've done seventies movies already. We've done well. We did the Halloween. We did movie. original Halloween. Um, we did. Zodiac, which took place in the 70s for a chunk of time, and the uh, guy who scored the film Zodiac was actually just a composer in the 70s movies, mm. which is why it had such an authentic sound to it. And uh, yeah, it's like that now this is this is about as 70s as it gets because these kids are 70s hippies. It's crazy because you take a film, and, and this is just the quality, right? You take a film like A New Home, A New Hope. Which is like really good production value for the seventies, and then you're like, oh wow, that actually looks very clean and polished. Like it looks like a new hope could have been made later. Right? I think a new hope has a very grimy seventies quality to it, and I Not think I talked and I talked about it when this, we did that though. episode. Not, Not nearly as much. Yeah, this one, of course. Like, this one is this is about as dirty as it gets. Someone like wiped their butt with the reel, <laughs> and they like spit on it and told it the it wasn't gonna do shit with its life. It doesn't have much of a score either. No, like, at all. It literally just sounds like the entire score is people like banging like metal drums the entire time. <laughs> the metal score. I'm the metal score. The score is just my. Uh, my neighbor's on meth at three in the morning and just throwing <laughs> pots and pans all over the place. Yeah, my daughter could do this score. Fucking rad. <laughs> um, so, what was your experience with Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I didn't watch this movie until 2010. Really? And I was, what, 20, 21 years old? I was 21 years old already. I hadn't watched it growing up. I watched the remake in the aughts when it came out because that one... Before Halloween and Friday at 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street got remade, the big one was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And for me, I guess growing up, I always thought that some of the 70s horror movies were just too scary for me to watch. Which is why... <laughs> I mean, I waited until I was a teenager to watch The Exorcist, right? Yeah. Um, and Halloween. But I always thought that this one might be one that's just too scary for me. So I did... I mean, when I was when I was a kid, I didn't watch it. When I was a teenager, I kind of, you know, I kind of fell out with horror movies. I didn't really watch them as much. Uh, and but in 2010, I was taking a film class, and uh, I was doing, you know, I was doing papers on horror films at that point. <laughs> um, and you know, for the points of research, uh, the film I had picked was Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't even remember what I was doing. I think it was like a comparison project where I was like comparing like, I guess, an indie Texas movie. Like, I swear to God, I think I watched Slacker by uh, Richard Linklater mm -hmm. <laughs> and also like uh, Texas Chainsaw. And I don't remember how I put them together in a project. But somehow I did a project on that. Did you pass? <laughs> I did. Oh, nice! I passed the class. Are... Well, I passed the class. I can't. I can't tell you if I like wrote a compelling <laughs> argument in this homework assignment. You're like I was pretty stoned when I wrote it. So, <laughs> uh, but I watched it, you know, with my girlfriend. Like every single movie that I swear that I've seen before. Mm -hmm. You know, again, we've been together for a very long time, so. 
yeah, uh, I think I was like, well, I gotta watch it for a class. I rented it, and she came over, and we watched it at the house. And you tried to put the moves on her, dirty boy. No, I did <laughs> not. But you know, like she was just getting, she would watch whatever I was watching, and at this time, like I loved watching horror movies. And uh, so we did watch it, and I remember it being really weird. Uh, <clears throat> I remember leading up until today liking it a lot more than I. <laughs> okay, I'll put it to you this way. I don't want to get too much into what my review is going to be like. Yeah. But for the longest time, I thought it was way better than the remake. Mm, I can see that. And I'm not going to reveal whether how I feel about it now until we get to the end. Yeah, we'll get to that piece. But I've, I've, my opinion on it has definitely changed in almost 10 years. So my experience with this film, I never saw it. This is actually my first time watching it. And the reason why I didn't want to watch it, obviously when I was younger, is because I was like, oh my god, this is so fucking terrifying sounding. I don't want to watch that shit. And I could have sworn it was you. But my earliest memory of Texas Chainsaw Massacre was I was talking to somebody who I thought was you. Apparently, if you didn't watch it, it might have been one of my friends. Yeah, it can't be me. Like, I remember being like, yo, did you ever watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I kind of want to watch it. I must have been like 10, 11, 12. And I was starting to get into horror, right? Like, a little bit of horror. Um, And I remember I must have asked somebody. I was like, have you ever seen the original one from the 70s? And they were like... It was like, <laughs> it's like I triggered a nom flashback. <laughs> and it was like, this person was just like, yeah, I saw it. And I was like, how was it? There was so much blood. <laughs> and yeah, no, this was not me. <laughs> and then they, but it was like, this person just goes, the girl at the end. There was just so much blood. He's <laughs> like, like, I, like, I'm fucking... Like, this kid was having a fucking oh, flashback. you know what? I'm, rem- I'm having a flashback right now of the first time that I actually knew anything about this movie. And it was actually when I was, like, 11 years old. So it might have been you. No, no, it no, no. It could have been It you. still wasn't me. But what I did see was, okay, there was this... I don't even remember which studio released it or who actually released it. But there was this documentary or DVD... It was called Boogeyman, mm-hmm. and it basically just took like highlight scenes from all these different horror movies, and it put them all together in like a weird. It's like a pre YouTube video. Like it's well, just like a compilation of right, all the right. Like now, like now in modern times, like somebody on YouTube would just take all these scenes and compile them to like a single like ten mon- minute. Yeah, yeah, video, like whatever just, the fuck. Yeah, yeah, like collection of scenes, and. Um, I remember seeing the end of this movie, which is, you know, our final girl running out of the house, being chased by Leatherface, and her jumping into the back of a pickup truck, very, with blood all over her face, very Carrie-esque, Yep. and uh, kind of like laughing and screaming on her way down the road. I'm telling you, it might have been you that told me about it. All I remember is this kid, whoever it was, I triggered like PTSD having them tell but me it, about it. Well, I don't know because this didn't scare me. Like, I was definitely over my fear of horror movies when I watched this thing. Oh, cool. One of us was. <laughs> anyway, Why so, are you blaming like I'm this person? Because I'm like... It could be Mandela effect, but I'm like 90% sure it was you. But there's a 10% chance it was someone else. What if it was a ghost? What if it was like my imaginary friends? (laughs) Boner came back. Oh, God. Could have been a ghost. Fuck. (laughs) 
So uh, this movie is was peddled as based on a true story. Oh, you can go <laughs> fucking scariest words ever said <laughs> to peddle a fucking horror movie. Um, it's not actually, it, which it's funny, like, I discovered very early in my life that the story that it's based on is Ed Gein. Yeah, there's a lot of stories that are based on Ed Gein. But there were people that I went to school with in high school who swore that it was an actual thing that happened in Texas. Yep. And it was, like, exactly the way the movie presented it. I watched this movie two nights ago and had an argument with my dad. Because he's like, no, I remember this happening. And I'm like, You're, no, it didn't. It didn't happen. <laughs> uh, so Ed Gein was the, he was a serial killer in Wisconsin who uh, is, you know, is known to have killed two women. That we know of. That we know that, of. And I think that we're proven. Uh, that's up for debate. But what he was really, really known for was some good old-fashioned exhuming of corpses. And he uh, used the corpses to make furniture and weird little art projects. And that, he created a skin suit. That culminated in a skin suit. And Ed Gein used to love wearing said skin suit and dancing in the pale moonlight. So Ed Gein... <laughs> Is basically like the godfather of like horror films in it's, that Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs, yeah. um, Psycho. There are several films that are that are uh, made directly from this influence. Uh, interestingly it, enough, I don't know. The, the, Anthony Hopkins was in the Alfred Hitchcock biopic movie Hitchcock mm -hmm. from like the early 2010s, and. Um, that film is actually, like, him while he's writing Psycho. He's having, like, these weird, like, flashes of Ed Gein's life. <laughs> what? It's just really strange. Like, I couldn't explain to you. And it's and it's not as... It, it's it's weird. I can't tell you what it... What it you have to watch that movie to mm -hmm. really understand what I'm telling you about it. But, yeah, again, it's, like... It's, it's not directly based on it. It is, uh... Just loosely based on it. We did the Conjuring movie uh, not that long ago. And yeah. we discussed how, you know, it's, again, based on a true story usually means maybe like one thing in this actually happened and that's about it. And literally the one thing that happened here that can be traced back to Ed Gein is Leatherface's art projects. Also his maybe skin suit. Yeah. Also but the fact that the other brother, um, we'll call him... Is the one who goes to graveyards and starts robbing the body parts. Or the <laughs> hitchhiker, whatever they call him. The hitchhiker, yeah. is That's usually what I've known him as. If it's... we ever launch our spinoff series, Do We Like Serial Killers, we'll do a whole episode on Ed Gein, we promise. <laughs> so yeah, it's these are there's four people in this family. Yep. Um, the Sawyers. Yeah. Well, I don't know, is that what... Yeah, that's yeah. there? All no, right. they're credited as the Sawyers. Alright, so yeah, we have the cook. The cook. Uh, we have the hitchhiker. And then we have Leatherface. And, surprise special appearance by Grandpa later. Oh <laughs> my god. Uh, so this is really a movie about two families in a way. Yeah, in a little way. Um, it's, so it starts with this long crawl that's being read by a narrator where it talks about, you know, like an introduction to the film. Fun fact about the crawl, the guy agreed to do the recording for one joint. For <laughs> one marijuana cigarette. Well, um, the guy who was in it was John Larroquette, who apparently is known for a show called Night Court from the 80s. I yes. am not an 80s 
I mean, I was born in the 80s, but I was not around in the 80s to understand this. It's like court, but sexier, I'm assuming. (laughs) But interestingly enough, he he does kind of become like a sitcom star in the 80s, and he does come back in 2003 for the remake to also do the narration for that as well. That's fucking wild. Um... So the movie starts once you once you go through that crawl and um, and listen to what the narrator says. It starts showing you like these flash flashes of like body parts, and while you're getting it, you hear this really interesting flash bulb sound that sounds like I don't know like a violin bow like 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 being stroked over metal or something like that. It's really weird. That, oh yeah 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 that super iconic weird screech right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember, and yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like this. This movie again, it doesn't really have music; it's just sounds, and they're not fun sounds. No, no, it's it's uncomfortable. It's one of those things where it's like it doesn't feel structured like a movie. It at all, yeah, at all. Like it's super interesting how that works. It feels like a random collection of scenes. Um, it's structured in that there's an opening credit scene and a end credit scene, but literally everything between those two points in time is just batshit insane. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get this close up of, I don't know what it is, a dead body that's like, that's like stood up. A weird gooey corpse that <laughs> is set up as kind of like a fucking statue or a tableau. Mixed with body parts from another corpse. And it's like, we get the zoom in and the slow zoom out. It just makes you feel really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you see, I made the mistake of getting my lunch ready. <laughs> or getting food ready as I was eating it. Or I was about to watch this movie. And then I remember hearing how this movie has like some very... Su- like some subtext about meat, right? So I'm like, you know what? Let me put on something else, and then I'll eat, and then I'll finish watching this movie. Right. So, listening to what's happening on the radio, and from talking, from, like, hearing the characters that are in the van when the movie kicks off, uh, you understand that it's a group of friends that are there. They are friends of uh, Franklin and... Franklin and Sally Hardesty. Hardesty. And they are brother and sister, and I guess the corpses... Or of their relatives have been exhumed. Their grandma and grandpa... No, their grandpa, sorry. Yeah. Their grandpa's grave had been vandalized. Or they were they received a call that a bunch of uh, graves were exhumed where their grandfather was buried. So they take a they take a chance. They're like, let's go let's go check on our granddaddy's graveyard, right? Or on, mm-hmm. on his grave. So uh, Frank and Sally go with their friends Kirk, Pam, and whatever that other douche's name. <laughs> Jerry, sorry. And so they go along for the ride, and the five of them drive out through to very, very rural Texas. Yeah, like this is really out in the middle of nowhere. And I think one of the things that this movie... What really makes this movie creepy is that a lot of the most frightening and iconic scenes of it actually take place in broad daylight. Yep, and out in the... Outside and in the open. And what it really reminded me of this time was... Okay, last year, um, I think during, sometime in July, we went to go visit relatives in Nevada. Mm-hmm. And they were having a baptism, like, out in 
out in a town called Fallon. Mm-hmm. Which is Henry sounds fucking terrifying. Well, it's not like it's not like it's like really out in the middle. It, it, it's out in the, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's it's it, it is a big ish town. I'm assuming that's like the big town people from small towns go to. <laughs> Probably, but it's the the part of it that 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 like makes me think of this <coughs> is there was a there was a spot on the highway heading towards there where we were supposed to get off and we did not. Mm. And you know we're like at maybe like half or a quarter tank of gas. I've seen this movie. Before. And we're driving down the road, and I'm like, all right, well, I guess maybe I'll have to take the next, like, you know, I'll have to turn right at the next area. And as I go down, it says that there's not going to be another exit for like 50 miles. Holy shit! And I was just like, um, okay. But thankfully I found like one spot where I, you know, after driving for several miles where I was actually able to turn around and come back the other way. Oh, it was like a two-lane road, huh? But it's, no, no, no. It was two, it was two, well, it was two lanes going one way and two lanes going the other way. Mm. But they were separated by like... This like desert cactus rock like bed <laughs> oh, that was shit. in between. It's like you couldn't drive from one road to the other to turn around. You mm-hmm. had to wait until there was actually somewhere where you can turn. Oh, to make a Yui. And um, damn, yeah, it was. It, I just remember how uncomfortable it was. Like you know, like when you just know you're like God. You're like, what if I run out of gas out here? Mm-hmm. Like it's just that strange feeling is what I felt, especially. As, you know, once they do pass the graveyard and they do see some of the weird residents that are at this graveyard. Particularly the guy who's, like, yelling at them and, like, laughing while he's rolling around on the ground. (laughs) You ought to see your granddaddy's grave! (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! And he's, like, the old prospector. (laughs) And I'm like, it's the 70s in Texas. Why is there a prospector? (laughs) But, But, um, But the other thing about this that I did know from, you know, from doing my paper on the Vietnam era and the 70s in the U.S. is that there was a time... Uh, in the 70s, where there was a gas shortage. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, exactly taking place at that time. And, uh, you know, they stop off at a gas station after they have left the cemetery. Mm-hmm. And everything up until now has been very normal. Like, very yeah. okay. Like, aside well, from... very normal. It's questionable. I'd say normal By 70s standards, that could have just been a drug-addled <laughs> fun guy, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but the but the other thing is like, as you're meeting these characters and starting to get to know them, um, we'll get into it in just a second. But as they're approaching this gas station, okay, I thought this movie was anchored, or like the main character of this film is Franklin. Mm-hmm. I have to be totally honest. I have never been more annoyed by another character in a horror movie than I am by Franklin. He, and you feel bad because he's in a wheelchair and you're like, I don't want to hate on a guy in a wheelchair. Well, you know, he's a total piece of shit. But you know what the part about this that's really, like, insulting to me watching it? What? It's, okay, Franklin is in a wheelchair. Yes. He, he does not have the use of his leg, then he has to get around on a wheelchair. Being quadriplegic or paraplegic... It does not mean that you are mentally handicapped as well. Whereas 
I got the impression that somebody thought that because Franklin was in a wheelchair that the actor should play him as if he was developmentally challenged. Really? I didn't get that vibe at all. I must be I tripping. I just thought he was an asshole. I must be tripping because I swear to God, I thought that it was like that he was playing a version of like Lenny from Mice and of Mice and Men. <laughs> what? <laughs> I swear to God, like he just seemed like a guy who like was being portrayed as stupid. I mean, like I said, I thought he was an asshole, and I thought he was insufferable at some point. Okay, but what about the scene where they're in... Okay, I don't want to jump around too much. Yeah, go ahead. What about the scene when they actually do get to to the grandparents' house... And everyone's upstairs. Everyone decides to leave him, leave him downstairs. Obviously, can I get Fucking up there? Fucking assholes. <laughs> hey, guys, let's go upstairs. But when he's just, like, down there, like, fake laughing and just... And, like, just making, like, you know, like, fart noises with his mouth. Like, you know, like, it just... It seems like something a kid would do. Well, okay. No, I don't think so. I thought... I mean, the way I took that scene was just he was super mad at all these people having fun... And him not being... And, like, kind of forgetting about him. And you also got to remember, at this point, like, he needed to take a piss in the opening, like, scene. And he got knocked down the hill, and he fell down, probably with his dick out. Are and, you like, sympathetic? Are you sympathetic, and am I an asshole? I think it is. <laughs> because you got to remember, by this point, he got knocked down the knocked down the hill. Okay. And he got fucking cut by the, uh, by the hitchhiker. I laughed when he fell down the hill. You're a dick. Really? I swear to God. No, 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 no. No, okay? I'm not crazy. I'm not I'm not crazy. Wait. That so was a comedy so, moment, right? So you thought he was developmentally disabled and you laughed as he fucking fell down the hill. Because I swear to God, I thought it was a I thought they were playing it as a gag. I feel really <laughs> I feel like I've finally been vindicated for every terrible thing I've no! ever said on this podcast. <laughs> All right, I must have I must have severely misread. I this think film. you super misread. And you wrote a paper on this. I need people. Okay, I need. I didn't write about Franklin, but <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> that would have been super offensive. I need everyone after you listen to this to please DM us on the Instagram or put in a comment on the Instagram. And please, let me know if I'm wrong here. Yeah. Because I don't feel like I'm wrong. I feel like they played this in a way that's highly insensitive. I think he was just immature. Like, that's the <laughs> way I took it. I think he was just immature. But also, at some point, I felt like it was due. Like, the part where I think Kirk and Pam are like, Hey, what are you doing? Franklin goes, Oh, I can't get up the stairs. <laughs> so then they're like, Oh, where's the swimming hole? And he points them. And, go, and they're like, Okay, well... Fuck you! Yeah. We're leaving. I mean, look, like all they needed to yes, say they was treated, like they treated him badly. Yeah, they, they were treated, fucking dicks. But he was also insufferable. Yeah, because again, he was childish. I don't think he was developmentally disabled. I think he was I'm just not an saying I, no, no, no. I'm not saying I think he's developmentally disabled. I'm saying that it's almost insulting that I feel like the director felt that that's how they had to play it because he was in a wheelchair. If anything. I'm surprised you didn't, you're not having this reaction to Leatherface himself. Oh, because I, him on the other mm-hmm. hand was written mm-hmm. that way, and the guy that did play him tried his best not to be a dick about it. You, you know, know what I think it is with Leatherface? I think the reason why Leatherface comes off differently <clears throat> is because he's wearing a mask, so he comes off more as a movie monster. Oh, so quadriplegic people need to wear masks to get your sympathy, huh? <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> Everyone isolate. If anyone's good at it, isolate that. And I want to play that on a loop. <laughs> but all right. take everything we're saying out of context. Please. All right. So my thoughts on Franklin aside. Yeah. They get to this gas station where there's no gas, mm-hmm. and there is the cook who's there, like offering them barbecue, which they actually get barbecue. Then barbecue looks delicious. Growing up, I thought that this movie was about cannibals. It's 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 totally possible that these people are cannibals still, but this movie doesn't make it obvious, or it's not like a major theme in the film. It's more about the fact that. There, this place used to be known for cattle, for like, this is where, you know, cows would be, and, uh, slaughtered, right? Like, slaughterhouses were in this area. Yeah, like, there was... It doesn't seem to be, like, much of a market for that anymore, and these people feel like the left-behinds. Like, I forgot where my dad was, but he mentioned that when he was younger, he actually drove through Texas with my grandfather... And he mentioned, like, there's a good place where you drive by the slaughterhouse. Like, I forgot what area it is. It just smells like death. It smells like death and shit. Because that's just where all these these cattle farms are, you know? And that one must have been maybe early to mid-80s. Mm-hmm. And, like, of course, yeah, maybe it's not that much of an industry now. But I'm sure it still is. And I'm sure it's still booming. And, yeah, like, these, but these people seem like they're kind of the outside. Yeah. Because, you know, like, they seem like... Small farmers, they own their own homestead, right? And they're kind of the dregs on the outside looking in. And uh, they, I guess, the, I guess these people are like of the same ilk of Franklin and Sally's <laughs> grandparents. We really got to be careful while we throw out these people now that I've asked people <laughs> to take shit out of context. <laughs> so like, okay, the characters in this The Sawyers, film, the Sawyers. They, they seem like, they seem like they're, uh, you know, they're... Their family kind of comes from these same roots. But they don't seem like they're exactly from either... I mean, they could be from Texas. Mm-hmm. But they're definitely not from this area of Texas. Yeah. Um, because they I seem think, more like city folk, for sure. Because I think Franklin brings it up on, on the car right after... When, before they pick up the hitchhiker, he starts talking about how their grandfather was, was, a, was a cattleman. You know, was somebody mm-hmm. that knew how to slaughter cattle. And he talks about how they used to use sledgehammers back in the day, right? Yeah. Um, but then that they eventually moved on to bolt guns. And we're starting to use bolt guns. Kind of like the one um, Javier Bardem uses in No Country for Old Men. In case no one knows what a bolt gun is. <laughs> and essentially, you know, he starts describing how to use the bolt gun. So yeah. it's something Or that for you- more of our modern audiences, it's what Mike Hanlon uses in It 2017. Wait. That's right. He is... A cattle person as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's definitely a family that has their roots in meat. For sure. And, so okay, so once they leave this uh, barbecue area, and uh, they are traveling further towards the house, that's when they run into the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. A character that, coming into this movie, I was fully not even expecting. Especially since I had seen the remake first. Mm-hmm. And in the remake, they also have a hitchhiker character, but, but those... the character is absolutely different. Oh yeah, those two uh, those two interactions go down way different. In this movie, in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the hitchhiker uh, just starts going on and on about his knife and starts talking about how much of a cattle person he is, right? Mm-hmm. And he has this weird fascination with um, with Franklin. 
I remember Rob Zombie doing an interview on this movie and where he talked about how like you know some of the actors in this film he said they didn't even seem like actors you know just he's like it looked like they just found freaks and started they just found them. yeah like, so this guy has a speech impediment he has an obvious like just dark birthmark on his face and uh, he seems he actually much like Franklin seems like an outsider and it feels almost like they're kind of developing a in this short moment it feels like they're developing an understanding amongst each other it's like when you're at a party and you meet that really drunk guy that probably should stop drinking but yeah fuck it he keeps drinking and then he wants to be your friend that night he wants to keep talking (laughs) and you want to like just ignore him but you end up having a conversation with them and and then it gets super weird because the conversation starts with you talking about like the current, like, you know, climate change, and suddenly it turns into, like, reptilians taking over the world, <laughs> and globalists, and, like, some very vaguely veiled anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah, that's what the, what's pretty much going on here, you know? What kind and of parties are you going to? I went through some fucking weird-ass parties, dude, like, <laughs> I met some weird-ass people. So, at one point, the hitchhiker takes a picture of Franklin in the group. And demands, like, them pay for it. And they're like, but we didn't ask you to take a picture. So he responds by burning the fucking picture. And then, like, trying to stab Franklin. He does. He, he cuts like, him. cuts him, yeah. He cuts him with his knife. And then that's when they, like, throw him out of the out of the van. And as they're driving away, he's, like, kicking and dancing and screaming in and the van. smearing blood. He, like, cut himself, too, and, yeah. like, starts smearing blood on the fucking side of the van. It's almost like they're blood brothers. Blood brothers! <laughs> so, it's at this point, Angel and I got the chronolo- chronological order of the movie a little, bit mis- uh, a little bit messed up. They meet the hitchhiker first, then they meet the cook at the, uh, at the gas station. Because, what? yeah... That that's when they because they were gonna go get gas right, but they, wow. because they ran out of gas, they're like, oh, what we're gonna do is we'll go spend the night. No way! I must be tripping. You are. I swear that they went to the gas station first. They picked up the hitchhiker after, and then they ended up at the house because when they got out of the van, that's when they saw the mark on the side. No, well, they were the reason why they uh, went to the gas station first. They were told they had no gas, so they were gonna go stay at the grandfather's. Uh, homestead and come back and get gas when the when the delivery was done. Oh wow, man! I have, <laughs> I yeah. have really, that's what I mean about this movie being a collection <laughs> of scenes. Is that it's so like just I don't know like it's so unstructured like a film that I have just blown the entire chronology while recording the episode. So it's at that point where they go and they check out the house and they notice there's like a there's a house nearby, right? So I think it's Kirk and Pam. When they go down to the swimming hole, they find the other house. Kirk thinks, hey, you know, they sounds like they have a generator. That means they have gas. Maybe I can go ask them for gas. We go fill up, and then we, we give them some money. So they go into the house, and as Kirk is trying to find somebody to talk to, you know, the house is really creepy at first. And then suddenly the door, like, swings open. And Leatherface is just standing in front of him. This He's easily like a foot taller than yeah. this dude. When Bravo did the scariest movie moments, this is the moment that they pick. The reveal of Leatherface the reveal was of so Leatherface. well done because it happened so fast. You barely 
really have any time to register what's going on. Right, but you kind of understand what's going on because they've set it up so perfectly. Mm -hmm. Where the idea was that when they would kill cattle before they had the bolt gun, they would use the mallet or like the sledgehammer. sledgehammer. And that's pretty much, I mean, in this case it is like a mallet that that Leatherface ends up using on him. And he hits him and then the guy falls on the ground. And when he falls on the ground, he starts convulsing. And I was like, oh my it god! It freaks you out, dude. Yeah, it, it's like, this is it. It's like, again, this movie is not overly bloody, but it's graphic and terrifying to just watch somebody convulse on the ground after you feel like they've practically been killed already. Especially everything we know about head trauma and knowing that that's actually what happens after a serious head trauma. And I was like, oh shit! So at this point, um, you know, fucking Leatherface, like, in one move, just picks the guy up and drags him over to a table, right? Then he puts him down. At that point, Pam goes into the house and she starts, like, seeing all of Leatherface's weird little In this scene alone, it's easy to see why, even though he's not the principal villain of this movie, why he's the one... That is remembered as the movie monster. Oh, he is he is it's definitely the, the most terrifying. Yeah, he's big. He's intimidating. And he's got a we- he's got, he's got fucking gross strength. mask. He's and and the thing is, he does everything with like like he he is handling these people like me. But for all intents and purposes, Leatherface is a butcher, and he is handling these humans as yeah. meat. And this there's is, like no distinction between this him, is you know? work for him. Oh yeah. And he does everything so coolly and calmly, you know? Like when Pam, when he finally confronts Pam, she takes off running and he just grabs her with one fucking arm as he's as she's trying to bolt out. And then you have that terrifying scene where you just see her get dragged back into the house. You know, he puts her on the meat hook and just starts cutting up, uh, what's his name? Um, doesn't matter, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> starts cutting up Kirk without even thinking about it. It's just... So much happens in this movie in such a short amount of time where you're like, did that actually just Oh yeah, it, this film is about an hour and a half. It flies by really quickly. It does. Um, after, once you get the first two kills out of the way, there's half of your fucking, like, teenage group in a very short amount of time. Yeah, because now it's just Sally, Sally's boyfriend, and Franklin. Oh god, it's so freaking crazy. So, Jerry is the other guy. He goes looking for him, and he gets offed almost immediately, too, because he goes looking for Pam and Kurt. His, his death, what's frightening about it is that the only scene in this movie that actually, like, just shocked, like, kind of just scared the shit out of me when I saw it for the first time was when he goes in there and sees the other girl, like, in the freezer. Yeah, that's... And there's, she, like, pops out, and the way she screams, and the music that, like, is in the background, just... It freaks the fuck out of you. There's not much in the way of jump scares. That was a very good one. Because you were expecting her to be dead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she jumps out, freaks you out. The only time there's ever music in this entire movie, and, it like, it fu- it's used to fucking scare you. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like the apartment scene in Seven. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those shocking, like, things that you weren't expecting at this time. <laughs> and then the way, you know, Franklin gets dispatched really quickly. No, not Franklin, sorry. Um, I know how much you hate Franklin. But, <laughs> but Jerry gets dispatched really quickly. He just gets fucking... I, I think he gets, like, hit over the head with a hammer, too. Like, yeah, almost. and then the part about this where it feels like it's even scarier and even more hopeless now is that... It was already turning into dusk when these people mm-hmm. were being killed. 
And now, next thing you know, it's nighttime. It's probably been hours. And it's just Sally and uh, Franklin inside the van waiting. And it's such a rural area. There's no street lights. And the part about it that feels hopeless is that they are waiting for people to show up that are never going to show up. Because they are super dead. <laughs> and Sally wants to go looking for them. Franklin doesn't want to. He wants to hold on to the flashlight and stay at the van. And he makes a big stink about it, by he the does. way. This one, now, this is what I'm talking about. He's immature. You know, they're fighting over the, the, light, the flashlight like a bunch of kids, which makes sense. They're brother and sister. I, he's too <laughs> old to be acting like this to me. Yeah. Again, if your point is that this is someone who had developmental behavioral issues, I get it. As an adult, you don't... Adults don't talk like this. Here's the thing. You don't work with other adults. <laughs> or, you know, like, here's the thing. Someone, I work with other adults. As someone that works in, like, social services and is around people all the goddamn time, yes, I, I have work with seen, people. I've seen people that act like this. There's a, there's a sense of entitlement he has and bitterness and i don't know i don't want i don't want this to turn into a psychological study of franklin from the texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> this film is like it's like a podcast on franklin featuring the texas chainsaw massacre. <laughs> do we like franklin <laughs> but um eventually he finally gives up the he gives up the flashlight and but on the on the agreement that he gets to go with sally so as they're they're as he's rolling along, you know, fucking Leatherface just jumps out of the blue. Okay, <laughs> you cannot tell me this is not a slapstick comedy scene when Leatherface pops up and chainsaws the living shit out of his face. Uh, yes, I laughed. I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, like, I wasn't. Right. I wasn't ready for it, and he's like, no, 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 no. And I was like, whoa! It literally looked like something out of Gears of War where he just got chainsawed in the face. And, and again, they pull away from the actual kill so you can only imagine what the carcass looks like after. And I only use carcass because, again, it goes with the whole meat motif of this the movie. The shocking part about this is that they set Franklin up to be the main character of this movie. You would think so. So when he is dead, it's weird because, again, I feel like in a lot of early 70s stuff... Uh, or some seven in the eighties and then James Cameron in the nineties, they make a bigger deal out of Final Girls and like how they evolve into like strong women, like who mm -hmm. who will fight the monster. But I feel like in the seventies, it's kind of incidental that they become the uh, the characters at the end. Like I'll use Sigourney Weaver and Alien as an example, mm -hmm. where she is yes, she ends up being the star of that series. But if you watch the original film. That movie sets up another character as if they could be the uh, main character of that film. And can carry and, the franchise. And by right? the end of that movie, like it ends up being Sigourney Weaver because she's the only one who's left. And that's exactly how I feel about Sally. Yeah, I actually 100% agree with that. Like, She doesn't do anything that it really stands out as a final girl. The only thing is that is that survival instinct, right? I guess you can make that argument is that what sets her apart is that she has that survival instinct because, you know, as she gets chased by by uh, by Leatherface throughout this movie, she's willing to 
to, in order to get away from Leatherface, she's a she's willing to put herself in bodily harm or through bodily harm if that means she survives. Sure, running so through the brush, jumping out the second story right. window, jumping through glass. Well, once she gets chased by Leatherface for a while, she ends up back at the barbecue place, and um, then that's where she sees the cook. And at first, she is like hysterical, asking the cook to call the police and to. You know, to look out for her. And obviously, I think, again, if you're someone who's watching this in the 70s, it's probably shocking to find out that this cook is part of that family. Mm -hmm. But obviously, if you're someone with modern sensibilities, it's so obvious that he is part of that family. Where we don't trust nobody, yeah. not even the people we know. <laughs> we didn't even trust the guy at the cemetery who was rolling around laughing at them. And he was like the nicest guy by <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre standards. <laughs> So, and the part about this that's also kind of, like, comedic and slapstick is that he grabs a broom and he basically knocks her out with the broom. He just starts beating the shit out of her with it. <laughs> Wait, and she has a machete, too. And I'm like, oh, cool, she's gonna kill this guy. And we're gonna get some revenge arc. And that never happens. No. She basically just beats, he basically beats the shit out of her and ties her up. And then he's, like, in the car driving and laughing and poking with the broom as he's laughing every single time she screams. And he's like, he's like, oh, stop crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like a weird, sadistic beavis. Gets, yeah, dude. It gets... And this is where I'm like, when did I take acid? Like, <laughs> is this movie real? Yeah, like, I really, I really wonder what made Toby Hooper come up with any of this, to be quite honest. It was so fucking wild. So they finally get back to the Sawyer homestead. And, you know, it's revealed. You know, they get back to the house. The hit, You know, same time as the hitchhiker. And they find out the hitchhiker's actually Leatherface's brother. Yeah. And he recognizes Sally, starts messing around with her. And they serve dinner, right? Like, they're all going to have a nice family meal. And this is where the where the cook gets super weird. Because mm -hmm. the cook, like, starts being sympathetic towards Sally. Yeah, it it, be, it gets revealed that he doesn't do any of the killing. He just sets that, people up to be killed. And that the only people who do the work, quote-unquote, are the hitchhiker and Leatherface. Which was uh, actually a trope used in Hills Have Eyes, I believe. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah. But, um, and this is the unnerving part. And this where it gets really interesting. That... For some fucking reason, not explained, Leatherface changes and is dressed like a woman all of a sudden. Yeah. Again, and if this is the traditional family, in certain scenes it feels like they're trying to turn her into the mother, but it's very clear that Leatherface is the mother most of the time. And it's so, like, she's, well, he's the provider, and it's so bizarre, and it's creepy because it's not explained. And it's not just that he's wearing, like, women's clothes. It's that he's wearing a woman's face as a mask. With smeared makeup. With smeared makeup. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's really unnerving. It's really creepy. It fucking terrified me. And because there was no explanation to it. Right. And you're just like, what the... Again, adding to the whole fucking psychedelic nature that is this movie and this whole experience. You're just like, what the fuck? And then we get introduced to dear old Grandpa. Yes. And Grandpa is like a... It's a guy in a fucking old man suit. Yeah, he's essentially a corpse. And, that's like barely living. And the way they revive him is by having him suck on Sally's finger as she bleeds out of it. And he like 
it's super sexual and it's gross. super gross because his hands are like twitching like a baby when they're drinking a bottle. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's so fucking nasty. It's the part of the movie where, like, again, most of the time you're like, yeah, this movie's pretty tame. Like, anytime you, I, I remember this movie, I'm like, yeah, I remember it not being that gory. It's pretty tame. It probably could have been PG. And then you watch it and you're like. Wow, this is all really fucked up. This is some really the worst parts aren't even the killings. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's what is, Sally goes through. This is some fucked up ass shit. So eventually, they they set up Grandpa because he used to be a cattleman as well to try to kill Sally, right? Mm. And they said they used to be able to kill a he used to be able to kill a or knock out a cow with one swing of the hammer, and he keeps trying to hit her. And he could barely hold the hammer up. Yeah. To the point where he's... He played for laughs, too, kind yeah. of. Oh, totally. The whole time, the cook is like, stop trying to, you know, stop torturing her, the poor girl. And, the, and, you know, like, the hitchhiker yells at her. He's like, shut the hell up. And, um, you know, the, at one point they drop the hammer. It looks like it hits her, like, totally unplanned. She yeah. starts bleeding for real. Well, then she gets, then she, like, ends up kind of... Go, you know, going out, getting knocked out cold or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then when she wakes up, they're all at the dinner table uh, with food in front of them. And she, like, gets up. Well, she wakes up and she starts screaming. And then all of them start screaming. And, like, that felt like something out of, like, something that Rob Zombie would make. Oh, that would have been from a Ron Zombie movie. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Like, that's where I was Along just like, with, I'm gonna skull fuck you. Yeah, like, it is just, like, this crazy thing where you just ah, and then somebody just looks at you and tries to scream back like that is frightening i've seen that and i forgot what movies we've seen that but i'm sure we've seen that very same oh well scene. I, if we're talking about ed gein like there's a scene where buffalo bill does that in silence of the lambs too like mm -hmm. to the girl who's like in the well and it's almost like this mocking scream and no, it's like yeah, yeah it's like that is very frightening even though it's also kind of goofy at the same time. I'm pretty sure Otis did it in in The Devil's Rejects. <clears throat> yeah. Again, going back to the freaking Again, Rob, Rob Zombie, Zombie yeah. owes his film career to this film. So, during the stro or during the hammer scene, Sally manages to like in like shove the hitchhiker off her and is able to like create, create enough of a commotion where she takes off running so the hitchhiker and the hitchhiker and Leatherface go chasing after her and I'm trying I'm trying to remember how exactly it went down where he so, like so the hitchhiker is chasing Sally out and Leatherface is behind the hitchhiker and as the hitchhiker and Sally are running onto the street there's a giant semi-truck that's coming, and Sally, like, moves out of the way, but the hitchhiker stays and gets run over by the semi. And it's so fucking cartoonish. It is, because the, the truck driver is barely a character. It doesn't say a single word. <clears throat> is automatically just thrust into a situation oh, no. where he hops out of the car and this, now he's being chased by Leatherface. This scene increases the cast by like a quarter yeah. and none of them do anything. No, none of them even say a word, right? Like, the only thing is that the truck driver, yeah, like you were saying, tries to save Sally. This is when he sees Leatherface. He's like, oh shit, fuck this. The only thing that the truck driver really does is he kills the hitchhiker and he also helps injure Leatherface because he grabs that, like, giant pipe wrench from his truck. <laughs> and <he's> throwing... <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking... It was 
fucking in the the thonk sound. <laughs> it's his face. Right. So Leatherface falls to the ground, and then the and the chainsaw like kind of cuts his leg a bit. Yeah, and, and so suddenly he can't move at the same speed, the terrifying speed he was moving with earlier. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing that Leatherface was real like, the most unnatural thing for me was seeing Leatherface run full speed after her. Oh yeah. Just it's... like waving the fucking chainsaw all over the place. Like a man that size shouldn't move that fast. <laughs> yeah, so he's, you know, he's still running after her, um, and she ends up, you know, running into another truck. Not running into, but another, another truck drives by and just turns around. <laughs> he and sees she, Leatherface. He's like, "Fuck this!" Yeah, so he like gives her enough time to hop in the bed of the truck and then just speeds off as quickly as possible. And as they're driving off, obviously that's where Sally has all the blood on her face, is laughing in the back of the truck. The, and does, Le- you cut back to Leatherface, and Leatherface is doing the chainsaw dance, the famous chainsaw dance, and it's so fucking. Eerie. It's weird, yeah. It's so bizarre. Because there's no music. All you hear is the sound of a chainsaw. He doesn't scream. Yep, doesn't make any noise. Because throughout the movie, Leatherface makes, like, pig noises. Yep. Like, that is... And it's, like, super frightening. Like, every single time that you hear, like, a squealing pig sound, you know that it's Leatherface that's talking. Yep. And in this, he's not even doing that. All you just hear is every other sound that's muffled by the sound of the chainsaw. As we cut to the end credits. Yep. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Just smash cuts to the end credits. Yeah. It, it's so fucking bizarre. Instant end yeah. to this film. You know, there's no resolution. There's no revenge arc as we expect from some of like, these types of horror movies. And again, this is, I guess, the prototype. It's one the, of the prototype, prototypes yeah. For slasher movies, right? But yeah, it was... Yeah, I, I sat there for a second and was like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, I guess the only thing to ask right now is, uh, do we like Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I don't even know what Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. I don't know <laughs> if I like it, I hate it, if, I, I do not know. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't hate it, but I don't like it. It's so fucking weird to explain, because like you were saying, the weird disjointed nature of how it's filmed, I can see why it's it's definitely a horror classic, and it definitely is a prototype for slasher movies, right? And it definitely inspired Tarantino and Rob Zombie and all those guys that made a horror movie based on backwoods oddballs, right? And it was terrifying, but there was just so disjointed. It was so bizarre. These characters are so like no connection to them. I honestly, I don't like. I said I don't hate it. But I don't like it either. Yeah, it, it, it. I think Rob Zombie was interviewed and he asked was asked his thoughts of this movie during that uh, Bravo's Hundred Scary Movie Moments, where he talked about how it doesn't even feel like a film. It just like it doesn't even feel like a movie. It feels like a snuff film. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a really good way of putting it. It feels like a snuff film for a lot of it. And like I said, the murder isn't even the worst part of my opinion. No, it's just the fact that everything just kind of happens and you have very little connection to every character. Yeah. And it just flies by you. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, not only that, it's that Sally gets tortured in the most bizarre fucking weird ways. And I guess, I like, I get it. I've heard that this movie is supposed to be kind of a response to... It's supposed to be like a cry for vegetarianism. Was my that was one of the that was one of the uh, is it now? <laughs> yeah, 
Because like here now, this is the 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 what's it called? If I if I'm gonna put my fucking up my own ass philosopher hat on, like the reason why is Toby like now this, again, this is a theory that that's going around online. So bear with me. I'm gonna have to connect a few of these dots. But the whole point that you know between the the slaughterhouses, between the butcher, and between like there's such a heavy meat emphasis that the idea is that. Leatherface and the Sawyers treat Sally, Franklin, and the rest of the gang this way we treat our cattle. Like, nothing's well, that is different. true. We did talk about how Leatherface handles them like me. Yeah, and he has no problem. And he does everything with such a cold, I get that. I get that. I think, the, way, I guess you know? maybe the reason why it doesn't come across is because the movie isn't narratively strong. Yeah, not at all. <clears throat> so, uh, so now that you say that, that makes sense. <clears throat> but I had to think about that to arrive at that conclusion oh, yeah, after th- you told it to Oh, me. no, this movie does not give you enough to get to that conclusion. So I'm going to go ahead and say my opinion on it, and that I don't know if I really... I, again, I also don't know how I feel about this movie, but I can pretty well say I don't like it. Mm. Um, I like its place in horror. I like scenes in this movie. I like Leatherface as a character. But in terms of this kind of story, I have to be totally honest. I think that the remake gets the narrative story part of this way better than this film does. But it's probably just a film that has a much different aim. And I think that's what I'm saying. Is I just It's one of those things where it's like, you had to tell me the point of it, and I didn't get the point of it when I watched it. Mm-hmm. And also, the remake gave us the drill sergeant from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. Or and, <laughs> yeah, and he's fucking rad. R.I.P. <laughs> and uh, okay, so we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode. Um, I know this one's kind of a quick one, but the movie itself is very brisk and it flew by. And if you guys watch this movie and you're fans of this movie, please, please like interact with us on the socials. Tell us why you think we're wrong. And you know, if you guys have a different take and me and Angel just didn't pick up on you know the very, very subtle subtext of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or if you want to shame me for how cruel I was to Franklin throughout this entire review, Rainbow Angel hates uh, quadriplegics. <laughs> Uh, just continue to join us for uh, this series because we've got two films that are left in our horror film festival and the last two are one modern film and one classic one of these movies is going to get Angel harder than the other you decide (laughs) Uh, so uh, yeah thank you guys for joining us please continue to interact with us and we'll talk to you guys next time I'm Angel and I'm Ollie later turds